0: In the words of Public Enemies, Chuck D, bring the noise! fellow podcast network i am charlie taylor and this this is what's good what's good ladies and gentlemen hope everybody's doing well your boy got ha- heating in the house back <laughs> got it back yesterday i've guessed i've never been I'm, honestly i was in bed at the time and uh, the, the dude was in the garage like sorting stuff out and you know my sister was in her, uh, her room and she shouted across the hall to saying like Charlie, you can you hear that? Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I have never been so happy to hear pipes moving, honestly. <laughs> Oy, it's, been a, it's been a long week, been a long week of cold, 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 but we're here, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so I am doing well. I am feeling very good today, honestly. I'm the dog, and it was very, very calming. I felt very good. I felt, I'm feeling confident right now. I'm feeling very fresh, um, so, you know, I'm, I'm feeling good, and I hope you guys are feeling well. hope you guys had a good week so far. Uh, But let's get into it, formalities, obviously, before we ever start, you know, email, Twitter, IG, Facebook, it's all there in the description, wherever you are, wherever you're listening, however you're listening, uh, fifthelement.org.uk for the articles later, and I'll remind you of that later on in the show, at the end, so let's get into the show, let's get in, let's dive on in, Uh, to quote American Dad, dive on in, Uh, film and TV, I'm going for the BAFTAs, Super predictable, super predictable Baftas. I mean, um, you know, in terms of my predictions, they'll probably, you know, I I kind of just, uh, I wasn't very, you know, uh, definitive in my predictions. So, you know, it was was kind, but I, but I knew the ones that were going to be the most popular. If you know, if you know what I'm saying. So, uh, you know, but uh, without further ado, let's just get into it. Let's just dive on, dive on in. As I, as I keep saying, I'm not going to make that thing. By the way, I'm. That's already annoying me, the fact that I said it. Uh, back to shit went to um, Thelma Shoemaker, the uh, um, legendary editor. Um, and that's actually quite interesting, considering um, uh, the Oscars have uh, recently announced that they're cutting off film editing, cinematography, and I think uh, two more awards uh, from their uh, broadcasting, which is b- c- silly uh, beyond words, but let's continue. Uh, so, oh, wait, oh, wait. So they... Oh, good for The Guardian. See, see, they went... Um, they did uh, some uh, they they've they've done the list very weirdly, so best film is at the bottom, which I usually go down to the bottom for the you know, for the that kind of stuff. But um let's get into let's get into it anyway. So let's start at the top this time. Outstanding British film went to the favourite. You will hear the favourite a lot during this, just a spoiler alert. Um Best Animated Film, Spider Man Sp- Spider Verse, Facts, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I think Spider Man Spider Verse is just gonna win every well, if it hasn't won every anime animation award. Uh, you know, in the general category, you know, uh, how how was it, how wouldn't it, like, what else would you possibly pick, I am not pre- I'm not picking Incredibles 2, I ain't picking a rival Docs, it's going to be Spider-Man all day. Uh, production design, the favourite, S- you see, I'm I'm not kidding, <laughs> I'm not kidding when you're going to hear it a lot. Uh, <laughs> I mean, let's get into uh, best sound, best sound went to be him rapidly, uh, uh, it's a music by a pick, I mean, the, the sound has to be half decent, you know what I mean, so n- uh, no surprises there. Uh, best editing went to Vice, which is a uh, I can I can see that I can I can see that because you know it's a very um um uh, I don't really know how to word it but it's a very editing heavy you know looking film so I can I can imagine I can imagine that uh, being you know if it's done well done and obviously it was well done enough to win the BAFTA so respect to that. Um, best documentary went to Free Solo, the um, uh, the National Geographic documentary about um, that guy climbing a Basically climbing a cliff uh, without any harnesses and all that, so yeah, it's, um, yeah, that's, 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 that's pretty much the documentary. Right there. Uh, best makeup and hair called it. It was either the favorite or Mary Queen of Scots. It's going to be the favorite. There you go, another one there. Uh, da, 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 best supporting actress Rachel Weiss for the favorite again. You know, yeah, uh, you know, I've, I've said I've said it several times. There's two people for the favorite, and I feel like that's a bit unfair. They should add another one just in, just for the just for the hell of it. But yeah, they gave it to Rachel Weiss, whatever. uh whatever. E.E. Rising Star Award, big up Letitia Wright. Facts, of course, either her or Cynthia Revo was going to win it. It's, uh, it's, it was a wrap. And uh, yeah, you know, Letitia Wright is totally deserving of it. And her speech was probably the best out of um, everybody else's. Uh, very moving, very, uh, you know, real saying that she you know suffered suffered from depression you know, early in her career and was actually thinking of quitting until BAFTA gave her gave her an email saying she just wanted to join up with this uh BAFTA um uh program I guess when you want to call it so yeah very very if you if you're going to listen to any any watch any um uh, speeches I think Letitia Wright is the is the one to one to watch uh, best an, uh, best adapted screenplay sorry uh, uh, Black Klansman, Spike Lee, big up Spike Lee, uh, and Dave Ran- Rabin- uh Charlie Wacktal and Kelvin Wilmer. I'm actually surprised at that. I'm I'm very surprised that BAFTA actually picked it. I mean, you know, I've, I I wouldn't. I, I think I said last time that I wouldn't mind if uh, Black Klansman were win it. I think I think they had a, you know, if they gave it a, you know, a, everyone a blank slate in terms of, and like a neutral footing. If they gave everyone equity, not equality, equity. And everyone was on the same platform. I think Black Hands would have a chance, but I didn't realise it was going to win it. I'm, I'm quite surprised by that. So yeah, there you go. First, first big surprise from the BAFTAs. There you go. First and probably the last. <laughs> uh, best original music went to A Star Is Born. Not surprised there. Uh, best original screenplay went to The Favorite. Uh, I I'm, I will admit, a bit. I am quite surprised. I really thought they were just going to go for Green Book just to not to not to piss me off, you know, but. <laughs> I just I just thought they'd go for it just because, but yeah, no, no, okay, favourite, fair enough. I mean, yeah. So, so they're they're getting. Let's be real, okay. The Baftas are for British films. They're supposed to celebrate British films. The favourite is technically a British made film. Of course, they're gonna you know lean towards uh, stuff like the favourite, and you know if it's quality enough, then they're gonna go for it. So you know it's, it's it shouldn't be a surprise. <clears throat> Best supporting actor, Ali. Facts, Green Book, of course. Uh, best cinematography, Roma. Facts, yep, saw that coming. Outstanding debut by British writer, writer, director, producer, big up, Michael Pierce and Lauren Dark for Beast. Uh, special, vi- special best, interesting. Did not see that coming, I really didn't. I really thought it would go to uh, First Man or Ready Player One, to be honest, but or, or even Affinity War, but yeah, Black Panther, there you go, big ups. Uh, best film, not in the English language, it's Roma, of course, <laughs> Why even bother having that category? You might as well just give it as a you know just a like lifetime achievement. Just choose it, just just pick it. Unanimous decision. Uh, best costume design, the favorite again. Uh, best director Alfonso Cuarón for Roma. Uh, best actor Rami Malek for Bohemian Rhapsody. Still, still getting very. I'm. I I I feel like I need to see Bohemian Rhapsody just just to see if the performance is actually good. You know, because I don't know why I'm being so skeptical about it. I shouldn't be. Because I haven't seen it, but I don't know. I just I just see the others, and on the face, I'm just like mm, I can see them winning as well. I think it's just the, just the fact that I can see all of these guys winning. You know, well, except Viggo Morton, because Green Book. Uh, you know, Steve Coogan, I can see that. Christian Bale, can see that. Bradley Cooper, I can see that as well. So, I think just the fact that Remy Malek has won nearly every popular every um you know popular. Uh, film, film awards, it's kind of, it's just, it's kind of kind of surprised that he's actually whitewashing it so, so cleanly, so, um, yeah, so I think that's just, I think that's just what it is for me, There's just such a surprise, uh, best actress, uh, Olivia Colman for the favourite, sure, why not, and best film goes to Roma, so, you know, overall, not surprising at all, you know, so, you know, kind of, uh, kind of a surprise, I guess, that they went for the favourite so heavy, you know, favourite just Practically wash the Baftas, and I don't think the favourite is that good a film to 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 have a wash of the Baftas. But again, it's a it's the Baftas, British film, celebrating British film, and you know it's just the logic, it's just the logical option, I guess, for them, uh, for the voters anyway. So if there was a you know a a scale to weigh weigh the others on, they would go for the favourite. A, because it's a British-made film, B, because it's a period piece, and us British people love period pieces for some reason, don't know. And, you know, the fact that it was done in a, you know, crudish comedy kind of way, dark comedy kind of way, is also something that's, uh, you know, they're USP. So I can I can definitely understand why they picked the favourite every single time. Um, as it pertains to being a precursor to the Oscars, I do not think it will... I I'll be... I'll be very surprised if the favorite wins. If if the favorite wins two Oscars, I'll be surprised. I can see it winning one, but I can't see it winning more than that. Uh, so you know, if you if you consider the BAFTAs a precursor to the Oscars, just, just don't bother. Don't bother because obviously the Oscars is a way different ball, ballpark. For one thing, it's American, so you know they don't, they don't take account into the fact it's a British film. They don't care. It's a, it's another film to them. So. Yeah, as it pertains to being a precursor for the Oscars, it's not. The Favourite will probably win one, maybe two Oscars. If it wins any more than that, I'll be really, really, really surprised. Uh, but, you know, it, just just take this as a dub if you're if you're a fan of The Favourite. Just take this as a dub. And uh, one thing I want to say about the Oscars, and the reason why I'm going through it so fast, is because I wanted to also talk about this uh, one piece I actually saw via uh, The Independent, and uh, I saw on Twitter, and I just thought it would be... Well, as a writer, I thought it was actually just kind of, um, kind of poignant because I just don't, I just don't feel like it's uh, I think I think it's another another chance to voice this uh, opinion up again. So this is by James Moran. Uh, I will go. I will scroll down to see what he's written because it says at the bottom what he's uh, what he's written. So so you guys know what he's about. Uh, co wrote Severance, Cockney vs. Zombies, Tower Block and episodes of Doctor Who, Torchwood, Spooks and the upcoming rubbish world of Dave Spud He's under no illusion that he'll ever win a BAFTA unless they introduce a best kill zombie or swear word combo category So, you know, pre-established writers, pre-established, okay So his tit- the title is, as usual, writers were ignored at the BAFTAs as a screenwriter, I know what that feels like so it goes into it. Sunday's night at the Bafta ceremony was a glittering celebration of film. But to listen to all the speeches, you might think those films sprang out of nowhere, pulling together like celestial fragments by by the genius of the director. Not a single winner thanked the writer. Wait, two winners did in the writing categories. They thanked their co-writers. At least film writers get televi- uh, televised awards. In the TV Baftas, writers aren't in the glitzy ceremony with the actors. They're shunted off into the non televised craft awards. This isn't anything new, sadly. The auteur theory suggests that the director sets, marshalling everyone and to be fair, one person has to be in charge to keep everyone on the same page. But they can be only they can only be on the same page if there are actually script pages. Sets must be built, locations secured, actors hired, scenes scheduled, it all starts with the script. So why are writers forgotten? Because everyone thinks they can write th- Damn! If I haven't heard, <laughs> you know, I I have I have said this, um, you know, to several people and probably on social media somewhere. But I, you know, I do believe anyone can write, but as it pertains to professionally, it's obviously a different ball game. You know, I I say when I say anyone can write, I say that very, you know, broadly, anyone can literally write and. If you want to write what you, you know, how you feel or you want to write a story that you have in your head, by all means, go for it. Writing is a universal art form, basically. And it's probably, is it the most universal art form? Maybe, may, maybe the most universal art form, thinking about it. But um, again, <clears throat> that's, a, that's a very broad term as it pertains to being professional directors obviously think they can write actors think they can write and you know in some circles they are actually you know uh, actors and stuff and uh, you know everybody everybody else directors and such they are encouraged to write their own stuff because you know in a film industry that is you know infinitely hard to get to you know famously hard to to get into Um, as um, you know every film teacher has told me you know it's um it's something that might be necessary you know if you have a if you have a script you 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 have something you know what i mean it's something concrete it's something that you can look at it's something that potential producers can look at so you know anyone can write but it, sometimes it just um that that universe universality if that's a word you know kind of just uh shuns the actual art of it and the actual high art of it and uh, you know, sometimes shuns the greats, you know, and, and the people that actually do really good work, you know. Uh, but I I digress, uh, because anyone thinks they can write, the director or actor or exec can waltz in, make a few changes, and think they've written the entire thing. As the saying goes, "Where were you when the page was blank?" Robert Re- Robert Riskin, Oscar-winning screenwriter of "It Happened One Night," famously grew tired of the director Frank, Cap- Frank Capra hogging all the credit by claiming to quote put the Capra touch uh, on his work. So the legend goes, Riskin sent Capra 120 bound blank pages with a note saying, put... <laughs> I've never heard this, this is gold. Okay, let me just, let me just repeat. Um, so the legend goes, Riskin sent Capra 120 bound blank pages with the note saying, quote, put the Capra touch on that. That is glorious. That is absolutely freaking glorious. That is ultimate flex. I love it. Before anything anything happens, uh, the writer is alone. The script has to be researched, plotted, written, rewritten, rewritten again. Rewritten for a lower budget. Rewritten because a big actor is cast in a small role that now needs more bulking up. Rewritten when that big actor pulls out. Rewritten to make the ending work on half the money and rewritten again until it's ready. The script convinces financiers to fund the film. Brackets. You sometimes get paid before you write the script if you're lucky. But good luck with that. Hire a director, producer, cast and crew. If you're really lucky, the film gets made. And the writer is instantly forgotten. See, I feel like, you know, if I'm ever, if i ever on that level, I will make sure that people know my name is on it. You know what I mean? As I drink tea right quick. You know, I feel like it's, uh, it's, it's something, you know, that if I ever get to that level, I'm making my voice heard, you know, and uh, and, and I'm just going to say, oh, who oh who wrote it, you ask? You didn't ask? Let me tell you anyway, it was me. <laughs> I would just stick my neck out, just like that, because, you know, I feel like, it, you know, as a writer, validation is hard to get, and especially, and if you get to that point, if I ever get to that point, nah, I am not going, I am not going (laughs) silently, you know, the director can do his directing stuff, actor can talk about his acting things, I am pushing my, I'm putting my foot in the door and getting into that interview room, going like, let's talk about the writing guys, because, you know, you know, I started that, (laughs) so, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd proper flex, anyway, so, um, uh, they're not the only ones. Every cast and crew member is responsible for the film, making invaluable overlooked contributions. There is a growing movement to get awards uh, bodies to recognise stunt performers who literally risk their lives to bring us exciting sequences while the actors pretend to spend, pretend they, quote, do their own stunts. Tom Cruise is an exemption from this, as he really does his own stunt, so much that I involuntarily yell out, oh, effing hell, Tom Cruise, uh, during Mission Impossible Fallout, as if I was his mum and he could uh, hear me. It's not all hopeless though, in the title sequence of Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, the first credit says a film by a lot of people, which is the perfect way to reflect how films are really made. The opening credits of Deadpool, uh, Deadpool credits the writers as the real heroes here, and, uh, least all, and at least all the people who helped Bradley Cooper write his BAFTA winning song got a mention in his BAFTA acceptance speech. Although, to be fair, I could probably bang out a decent song if Lady Gaga and Mark Fronson helped me too. Brad, mate. <laughs> sure, these are, these are first world problems. We're privileged to do what we do, but it takes a village to make a film. And when your career depends on your name and credits, it can cost you work when you're left out. So come on, directors, throw us a bone. You, you get all the credit anyway, so take a moment to remind people that someone wrote the film you're lifting a shiny award for. At least say, we helped. Facts, all facts, and you know how can you how can you um, possibly battle that? You know how can you possibly battle that? You're going to say the writers don't deserve it? No, writers do deserve it. Writers deserve all the credit, all the credit, all the credit. I'm I'm, I'm being very <laughs> I'm being very subjective here, but let's continue. Uh, let's talk about some Grammys. Okay, okay, let's let's take a moment. Let me just drink some tea right quick because this is about to be a long one. Uh, coconut and uh, chocolate green tea by the way is what i'm drinking big up twilands. Uh you might you might you might hear that and go uh what excuse me it's boss it is, literally tastes like chocolate and coconut so if you like chocolate and coconut boom and i recently found out you know in the past year that i'm actually in the minority as it pertains to chocolate and coconut i thought it was very uh universally loved but apparently it isn't apparently i'm in the mi- uh, minority uh, so you know screw you lot but anyway 2019 Grammys. Okay. I'm going to try and keep it very calm. Okay? I'm just I'm just going to try and keep it super calm. Not going to rage much and you know, I'm going to I'm going to be professional about it. Okay. Record of the year went to okay, read more. Let's read more. God damn it, Grammys. Grammy website. Um this is America Charles Gambino. I am not against that. I think I said this America should win everyone's nominated for except the rap song performance, band. let's get into it. Uh Record of the Year, This is America. Boom. Uh, either that or all the stars, I would have been fine honestly. <sighs> should I get into album of the year? Uh let me let me let me wait. Let me wait on Album of the Year. Let me wait. I'll I'll, I'll save that for later. Uh Song of the Year also went to Charge Gambino, This is America. Completely happy with that. Okay. Here comes the BS. Uh, best new artist, no. This is a straight up no for me. Uh, shout out to um, shout out to Faisal actually, because uh, he said on, he said on Twitter recently that um, whoever's managing Dua part is doing an, an amazing job because she is over hyped to hell. I said this last year, right when the Brits came out, uh, and she had like I think the most nominations out of everybody. I was like, really. I, I think I was being, I was being very glib at the time going, who is Dua Lipa? I've heard, I heard, at that point I heard of Dua Lipa, I heard that one song that she was popular for, I, I forgot what it's called, and yeah, I mean, other than that, I've heard none of Dua Lipa, and I, I'm, I don't understand how she won Best New Artist here. Chloe and Hallie better. Her, her, right, her won so many, K. Okay, she won, she, I'm not going to spoil it, but she won Grammys, okay, this year. How the hell did she not win Best New Artist? It doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense. Dua Lipa was not nominated for anything else that I don't that I know about. I don't get it. I don't get how she won this. I really don't understand. Georgia Smith. Hell, Bebby Rexer, I don't care. All of them better than Dua Lipa. I don't know Margot Price. I haven't heard anything from Greta Van Fleet. I don't know Luke Combs but Chloe Halley, Georgia Smith and especially her should have won that. Unbelievable. That is unbelievable that J Jualipa won. I don't care. I I just don't understand it. I really don't. Uh Pop, I could not care less about Pop, honestly. I'm not gonna get I'm not gonna bother. Let's get into the album of the Year just to get the general field out of the way. Uh, it went to chloe musgraves uh Casey, Casey musgraves sorry Chloe who's Chloe uh golden hour country I think it's country Fusion album something like that um from what I've heard, I still think it should have been dirty computer i've all her actually um but i can i d i didn't really expect her to win i thought I generally thought it would be dirty computer honestly I feel like this is one of those this is one of those times where You know, most of the time, the Grammys go for the the popular awards, as we will get into later, I guarantee you that. We'll get into the popular picks, okay? We'll get into that later. But I feel like they pick the album of the year. Most of the time, it's based on popularity. But obviously, Casey Musgraves isn't very much of a popular artist. She isn't mainstream, okay? So sometimes, they pick on the count of, I don't know, artistic achievement, maybe. Maybe. I mean, that'd be very hard to ask of the. That's a very big ask of the Grammys to pick on, you know, artistic, uh, artistic merit. But heaven forbid, most of the time they pick off popularity because they don't know anything about the category they're voting for. They really do. They really, really do. And I feel like I have a, a solution to actually, you know, cure that. But um, I'll, that's that's for a that's for another show or another article. Actually, I might do it for a 5 e article. Stay tuned for that. But um. Yeah, so I feel like they picked this, you know, for an artistic achievement, obviously not a popularity pick, because Casey Musgraves is not a popularity person. Uh, I've never heard of her until she got nominated, so, you know, and I'm, I feel like I'm pretty plugged into to music, maybe not, you know, mainstream music or popular music, but I feel like I'm plugged into in some form or fashion. But, yeah. So, with that said, if you're going to go for the artistic achievement And for the potential, you know, through the looking glass, trying to look into the future, Crystal Ball, what is the album that's going to inspire the next generation? I feel like Dirty Computer by Janelle Monet is one of those albums. I, I, I hardly see anyone going in 20 years going, oh yeah, I saw Casey Musgraves go up for album of the year and I was inspired. I'm sorry, it's it's not like that. It's not like that. I, I don't think it'll be like that. And if I'm and if it and if it happens twenty years, I will come I'll come on here if this show is still on twenty years and I'll say oh, I was wrong. But I, I just don't see it. And I feel like for the time, even for the for the for the for the time and for the future, for the present and for the future, I feel like Dirty Computer is the perfect pick for album of the year. I think nobody can have qualms against that. Against picking Dirty Computer, I don't think anybody could have qualms with it. It is a feminist album, a black woman. Uh, what is more, what is more current than that? What is more current than that? So and and it kind of pisses me off because you know they pick this. You know, I I highly assume because of artistic achievement instead of popularity. But then again, they pick Taylor Swift twice over Kendrick. So, and especially Tim Pipper Butterfly, which is, in my opinion, the greatest hip-hop album and top five album in music history, objectively and subjectively. <laughs> you know, how you want to weigh that is up to you. But, yeah, you know, they picked that strictly off-popularity. They picked Taylor Swift off-popularity, but then again, they picked this because of artist Achievement. This is why the Grammys suck, because they can't, they don't have a criteria they don't have a criteria, they either pick it because of popularity, or they actually do their, you know, due diligence as Grammy voters, and actually pick the artistic, the thing that is worth, you know, artistic merit to pick for the album of the year, uh, and, you know, it's just, it's just two-stepping, they're just two-stepping, and then just moving the goalposts, that's basically what they're doing, so, it's bollocks, anyway, but, um, Let's get into uh, let's get into the more uh lessers uh, before I actually get into the uh, to rap because I wanna get into rap last. And also R and B as well. Uh music video, best music video, this is America, of course, facts, you know, I, I wouldn't have picked any of the others to be honest. Um I wouldn't have been, you know, against Ape Shit or, you know, I'm not racist or even Pink by or even Mumbo Jumbo by Tierra Whack. No not against those, but I've it's obviously gonna be Charge Gambina. Uh big up um a Birk Her Hero Mirai as well. Uh, director of the director of the whole thing uh best music film quincy uh the netflix show you know if you haven't read my review on it it's amazing it's an amazing watch i think everyone should watch uh, that quincy documentary it is absolutely amazing it's just so fascinating the 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 depth of that guy's career is endless it is absolutely endless he has he's had job titles that people would be happy to have for the rest of their lives and he has like several of them it's is absolutely stupid how 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 good how good he how good he is uh as a as a you know music mogul practically uh let's get into uh da, 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 da. let's get into some producing i'm just trying to find it producer of the year non-classical so uh, we have Boy Wonder, we have Larry Klein, Linda Perry, Kanye, and Pharrell, and Pharrell won it, which is just so, wow, <laughs> the, the, they just they just didn't mess with Kanye at all, they just, oh, mm-mm. That is a very political pick, honestly, that is very political, you know, some of the, some of the tracks here, you know, Stir Fry, Ape Shit, for, uh, produced by Pharrell, you know, those, those are good songs, but... I, I, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not a Kanye fan anymore, but come on, come on, he, <laughs> he, he put in effort this year, let's be real, <laughs> and, uh, you know, also, Boy Wonder, that's a good shout as well, Boy Wonder's a good shout, you know, he's had some good stuff, he's, he, he's got a lot of Drake tracks, uh, he's got an uh, Eminem track here, Lucky You, you know, he's, um, another you know, and, and a couple of, and one from the, car, a couple from the cars as well, you know, uh, Boy Wonder had a good year as well, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was him either, but, um, yeah, that was a that was a very safe pick by the Grammys there for to pick. Um, oh, this is this is the biggest. You know what, right? If of all the piss takes, right? Uh, excuse me, i gosh, it got sniffles. Uh, of all the piss takes that, um, that the Grammys did, it was definitely best reggae album. So you have as the world turns by Black Uhuru, uh, Etana for reggae, reggae forever. Rebellion Rises by Ziggy Marley, Uh, Ziggy Marley, I mind you, that has the most nominations and most wins in the reggae category in the Grammys, so, you know, very popular pick, and the one that should have won, A Matter of Time, by Protégé, but who wins it? Sting and Shaggy, oh, my days. This is, this is, th- that is a perfect, that is a perfect encapsulation of the Grammys, the fact that they didn't listen to none of those albums, I guarantee you, they just saw Sting and Shaggy and it was like, oh, those are good, two good artists right there, let's pick them, absolute BS, I, I am lost for words, I am lost for words, and that is really, honestly, that is how, that is the Grammys in a nutshell, that is the Grammys in a friggin' nutshell, uh, psh, don't know, but let's get let's keep let's keep going. Let's just keep pushing forward. Keep keep pushing forward, guys. Let's go. Um, where to be, where to go next? Let's go for jazz. Let's let's have a look at jazz. I want to see what they uh, pick for jazz, uh, like jazz album stuff like that. Um, uh, da, 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 da. Okay, I feel like I shouldn't do jazz. <laughs> I'm not gonna go for jazz because I'll be real. I listen to much jazz, so and all the ones that are nominated, I don't know. So I'm not gonna bother uh let's go for r&b uh best r&b performance when the best part heard daniel caesar i firmly believe that is the best duet in the past decade i i dare you to find me something different or better you know <laughs> i dare you to find something better than best part uh in terms of duet in terms of man or woman just hopping on a track you know cool smooth you know acoustic guitar bing Bing! It's, it's, it's just so simple, and it's perfect. It's, it's so perfect. It's, it's perfection, and I'm so glad it won uh, Best r b Performance, because that is fully deserved. Big up her and Daniel Caesar. Uh, best Traditional R&B Performance. It was a tie between PJ Morton featuring Yabba, How Deep Is Your Love, and Bet Ain't Worth The Hand, Leon Bridges. Big up Leon Bridges mad happy for Leon Bridges, love Leon Bridges, and I actually started listening to PJ Morton recently, listened to his first album Emotions uh, in the past couple of days, amazing album, and I can't wait to listen to Gumbo, which is uh, as, which, How Deep Is Your Love is actually part of the album, so I can't wait to listen to more PJ Morton, honestly, so um, yeah, big up both of them. Uh, our best R&B song uh, went to Boot Up, LMA, you know, I feel like there are better songs here, Focus, I feel like a better song. Feels like summer. I feels like feel like it's a better song. Uh, even come through and chill, you know. Miguel, uh, J Cole, and Salam Remy. I feel like that's a better song. But obviously, Boot Up was the song was one of the songs of twenty eighteen. Could not escape it, you know. Just uh, you know, it, it's it's the pop pick. It's the pop pick. So you know, again, it's um, sometimes they pick it for artistry, and sometimes they pick it just because nobody else is nobody listening to the others, and they're just like, you know what, Boot Up, just Boot Up, just pick Boot Up. They just, they just, they just wash their hands of it. Uh, best urban contemporary album, excuse me. Which, again, don't know what that means. It says here for albums containing at least fifty-one percent playing time of newly recorded contemporary vocal tracks, derivative R and B. Again, black shit. That's basically what they mean. Black, black music um, that just don't fit into rap or R and B fully. Um, went to everything is love by the Carters. Mm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of a. Uh, you know, I feel like War and Legend Miguel probably should have won. Or even The Kids Alright, honestly. I feel like that was a better album for me, personally. I felt like that was a better listen. I enjoyed The Kids Alright, but Cohen Halle a lot. Love Corrine Um But, um, yeah, again, pop pick, I think, uh, in my mind. Beyoncé, Jay-Z, how can you not pick them? And Best R&B Album uh, went to Her for Her. And, uh, yeah, I'm completely fine with that. I would have gone to Good Thing, uh, Leon Bridges. Uh, but, yeah, Her is an amazing artist. I mean, she is um she, she's just she's just great. I mean, I don't I don't I haven't heard a bad song from her yet. Uh, I'll say that again and it, I think it's just factual. Honestly, I, I haven't heard a bad song from her yet. Uh and I've listened to all the tracks from uh, from from begin to end uh, so far, so <sighs> she's just on a she's just on a hot streak and i and you know the the support she has from industry from the industry and even from you know legends of the game so much support for her so much support and i feel like she's just a, she's just gonna be the 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 biggest artist of our generation i actually wow i did say that didn't i Yeah, i mean i mean i said it and I'll, I'll stick by it, honestly. I feel like, in terms of R&B, I feel like her will be the biggest artist. Not the, okay, not the biggest, because obviously popularity is always um, something different. But I feel like she'll be the greatest creative force, I guess. Let me, let me rephrase that. The greatest creative force in R&B. And I feel like, in terms of artistry, she'll be up there in a higher echelon by the time her career ended. And just to say, she's younger than me. Okay? She is under 22. I think she's I think she's 21, I think. So... 21 22 23 one <laughs> she's in her early 20s you know what i mean she's just getting started so and she's already getting grammys so absolute absolute beast anyway so let's finish off with the rap category okay. right so uh best rap performance went to it was a tie again I like, i'm 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 getting skeptical with these ties i feel like a tie should be like a once in a lifetime kind of thing and now it's happened twice in one grammy so i feel i feel like complete cop out it's just it's just a bit it's a bit dead honestly it's a bit of a, a bit dead but um let's let's continue uh Kings dead Kendrick J Rock Future and James Blake and and also bubbling a uh, Anson pack completely fine with that yeah completely fine with that as a performance um yeah I I, I totally get that I f- I probably would have gone for bubbling uh more often I would have even gone nice for what Drake honestly uh but you know uh I'm fine with, I'm fine with that as a tie. Big up J-Rock, and I feel I firmly believe that J-Rock had, you know, it was all about best comebacks of 2018, you know, you lot talking about Soldier Boy, you talking about Tiger, no, J-Rock. The dude came back from, a, uh, from being hospitalized in a motor accident and still gave you a Boss album. I mean, what does that tell you? Comeback, that's what it tells you. Anyway, let's get into it. And also, sicker mode, actually, for best rap performance. I could have won it, but hey. Uh, best rap song performance. Uh, this is America by uh, Charles Gambino. Now, I feel like this shouldn't have won. You know, I get it for record and song of the year. Totally understand uh, the politics of that, especially. The political pick, uh, in my mind. But I feel like if we're talking about best rap song performance, performance, I feel like this should have gone to, elite, if it, to Kendrick and Sizzle All the Stars. I really generally think that it should have gone to them, um, but yeah, yeah, they just went for it. Charles Gambino. They just completely gave him the whitewash, and you know, I'm, I guess I'm fine with that. You know, I like, I like me some Gambino, so it's all good. Uh, best rap song, yeah, it's a bit of a cop out. Went to went to God's plan, you know, the popular pick again. Uh, could have easily given it to um, uh, well, actually. What's the what's the criteria for this? The so songwriters award, songwriting. So we're talking about songwriting. Yeah, it shouldn't have gone to King, God's plan. It's, it's, honestly, either win, win. Why not? If we're if we're talking about if we're talking about you know songwriting, I feel like Win's a better songwriting than, than God's Plan. Uh, you know, but if we're talking about properly songwriting, lucky you. Come on, Eminem, John Lucas. If we're talking about lyricism. That's the best out of the five. Uh, and also Sicker Mode. Come on, it's just it's just a bit. It's a cop out again. It's whack. God's Plan. Psh, nah, whack. And we get to the final one, best rap album, Invasion of Privacy, Cardi B. So you know I've heard everyone talk about it. You know everyone tiptoeing across the pack that you know not trying to shit on Cardi B. But let's be real, you know um, you know let Cardi B be great. No 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 no. And you know what? I will. I uh, you know what I say will not. Put a cloud over her head. It is fine. Okay, I am going to be completely real. She should not have won that award. Okay, I am not knocking the fact that Cardi B won it. I am. I am cool. Fine. Cool. I'm. I'm liking the historic element. You know, it's um. Uh, she's the first. Uh, Was it the first uh, black woman to win? Uh, best rap album, I think. I think. I think that's a you know you could say Lauren Hill, but that was classed as an R and B album for some reason. Um, but yeah, you know the historical element. I'm completely fine with that. I am supportive of that. But if we are talking about rap album, about a album with raps in it, uh, as they describe it, for albums containing at least fifty one percent playing time of new rap recordings. Invasion of Privacy is probably the fourth, if not the fifth, worst album on this list. We have Swimming by Mac Miller, Victory Lap, Nipsey Hussle, Daytona, Pusha T, Astro World, Travis Scott. I firmly believe that Astro World, Daytona, and Victory Lap are better than Invasion of Privacy. This is my opinion, ladies and gentlemen. I am not, you know, I'm not, I'm not angry about the fact that she won. It's the Grammys, you know. I'm. T- <laughs> Is I haven't in I like award shows. I, I'm just gonna be real. I like award shows, but I know I'm prepared for this bollocks. I'm prepared for bollocks. There's been a lot of bollocks in this Grammy Awards. A lot of it. Uh, they just picked Charles Gambino just because it was Charles Gambino. it's just because it this is America, you know. If we're being real, you know, lyrically, they it, it shouldn't have won it. it shouldn't have won any of them. But you know, I'm glad it won because of the because they're actually taking notice of some things. But if we're talking about a rap album, and if you're a rap fan, if you like hip-hop, right, this is not if you're a dude, this is not if you're a woman, right, let's take that out of the equation, let's take genders out of the equation, let's take take race out of the equation, all right? If you are a hip-hop fan, if you like rap music, are you seriously telling me that out of those five albums, that Invasion of Privacy is the best album out of the five? Tell, be honest. Take gender, take race. Just stick with stick with the beats and bars of the album, and whatever trimmings you want to add on. Storyline, whatever, length of the project, whatever. You can add all of those technical bits if you want to your criterion. Is that the best rap album of this year? No, it's not. Again, I am fine with her winning. I, it's the Grammys. Don't care. You know, in the grand scheme of things, it's an award. You know, awards don't matter. And she's flexing and good. Good for her. And you know, people are you know sh- shitting on Nicki Minaj the fact that she hasn't won one. and you know, giving her the crying Jordan emojis. And you know, while that's all fine, fun and games. You know, and you know, just be just be factual with me. Is that the best rap album of 2018? No, I can I can give you a list right now of 10 albums, but 10 rap albums, strictly rap, hip hop, rap, whatever you want to call it. Better than Invasion of Privacy. You want you want me to go? OK, I will go. Crisis in L's Jericho Jackson, Prime 2. Um, what else? Psh, I, I'll take out the British albums just to just for, just for the kicks. J. Cole K.O.D. And obviously he doesn't, uh, you know, go for Grammy. So, you know, that's fine. Royster 5-9, Book of Ryan, Akunaru, Blackest Joy, that's even the, that's the best female album for putting genders in it, that's the best black female, best. that's the best album for a black female this uh, last year, if we're being real, uh, Daytona, of course, I don't consider it an album, but yeah, obviously, uh, continuing, uh, Black Thought, Night Wonders, Soul Streams of Thought, that's an EP, technically, uh, J-Rock Redemption, uh, where else are we going? Pfft, where else are we going? Uh, is that Buddy and Buddy Harlan and, Alond- Harlan and Alondra, uh, Taboo Denzel Curry, uh, Travis Scott Astral World. Screw it. Uh, where else have we got for Mers? Strange Journey into the Unimaginable. <sighs> where else are we going? No name. Room twenty-five. <laughs> you know what I mean? How many have I named so far? I'll name a couple more. Screw it, Brockhampton, Iridescence, Saba, Care For Me, Reason, there you have it, Logic, uh, Young Sinatra Part 4, uh, Ghostface Killer, Lost Tapes, uh, what else we got, what else we got, psh, Mick Jenkins, Pieces Of A Man, Nipsey Hussle, Victory Lap, uh, psh, 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 psh. Currency, Freddie Gibbs and the Alchemist, Fetty, Boss Album, and some Pack Oxnard, and obviously that came out very late, um, uh, to be to be um considered. J G- Jid G- DiCaprio 2, Earl Sweatshirt, some rap songs, Fonte, No News is good news. How many albums did I just name out of there off the of you know off off the list I of albums I li- rap albums I listen to? You know what I mean? So I'm ta and I'm not again not hating on Cardi B, okay? I'm not hating on Cardi B. I could not care less about it, right? But I'm just being I'm just being passionate about my culture right here. I'm talking about rap. I'm talking about hip hop. Okay, if we're being factual, that is not the best rap album. And I've, you know, I'll stop there. I've made my point. I'm just saying. I'm, I'm just saying. If you, if, if, if you, if you take, if you take all the, all the extra stuff out of it, and if you objectively looked at it, objectively listened to all the projects, you will know what I'm talking about. So, let's continue. Um, that's the Grammys for you. Politics, BS, lazy picks. Just because it's you know they don't listen to anything else. Uh, they probably listen. I get, I I bet you right. I have. I I actually bet you, the fifty percent of the of the voters and Grammys, uh, listen to less music than I did last year. I guarantee you. I literally have. I I put money on that. And obviously there's no way to do that. But I literally put money on that. Honestly. Uh, how long have we got? Okay, we we went on long for that. <laughs> uh, so let's go into let's get into some sports right quick. So um you know I uh, want to talk about some NBA uh, trade deadline happened uh, been and gone, and uh, there was a lot of good a lot of good trades. You know the, the Eastern Conference is finally getting stronger. There's finally an arms race in the Eastern Conference now. I'm loving that. I'm loving the you know the balance that is uh, coming now. You know, the fact that the Eastern Conference can actually contend and actually be very interesting and not just have one or two teams or even three up there. There's at least five teams up there right now that can fight for the finals, uh, the finals uh, uh, representative of the Eastern Conference in the NBA finals this year. I'm loving that. But the one thing I want to talk about in this rehashing uh, conversation I had, uh, well, rehashing the topic I had a few weeks ago, which was the Philadelphia 76ers um as you if you listened to last last time i talked about the philadelphia 76ers you know and if you're an nba fan in general you know that the philadelphia 76ers in the past few years have been on this process uh, trust the process you know all this all this uh, bs and um uh it's, uh it's they they finally got all in they've finally gone all in and i'm very very interested to in see what happens in this in these this this year's playoffs now because they traded for Tobias Harris and they now have what is next to the golden state warriors probably on paper the best nine five um on in in the league okay so with that said they have two of them that need to get re-signed uh, jimmy butler and tobias harris and you know, with the way them two are playing right now, the way that team is playing right now, you know, on a winning streak, I think. Uh, last time I checked, I think, I think so. Anyway, don't quote me on it. They want max, and the way the NBA works is that you cannot give max contracts to everybody. Okay, it's supposed to be for the elite of the elite, and obviously, you know, if you have a good season, people, any team's gonna, you know, even the bottom teams are gonna sign you for a max, uh, max deal, even though you, you know, excuse me, logically. You're not worth max, but obviously the market always um, the, the market always needs uh, players uh, of that of that um, you know B class caliber. They always need that kind of uh, player, and hope hope to the, hope for the best that so they get in the A class. But um, yeah, so this is basically Philadelphia 76ers. After all them years of tanking, all them years of tanking, are finally going all in, and I am you know I'm praying on their downfall. <laughs> I don't know. I well, I do know why because the tanking was just absolutely disgusting to me, absolutely disgusting to look at. And um, you know, I was I'm I I really I really hope that it it all just falls apart. So if and if they don't get to the finals this year, that is it. That is it. Honestly, you know, they'll still have Joel Embiid. They'll still have Ben Simmons. They'll still have JJ Reddick. Okay. And when they had those three, you know, they weren't doing all right. They were like meddling. You know they were in the top five, but you know they weren't gonna make waves in the finals. You know, I mean, they weren't gonna make the finals. But now they they look like a genuine contender next to Milwaukee, uh, next to Toronto. It's them three for sure. And you can throw Boston in there, but um, Boston have been very very lacklustre, and I blame Kyrie for that. But you know that's um that's that's neat. that's for another conversation. But um, I I can't wait for the playoffs. This is this is basically what my uh, recap of the trade deadline. I cannot wait for the playoffs because I just want to see how Philadelphia 76ers do. After five years of tanking, five years of all that unnecessary tanking, where they had so many chances to actually build an actual team of actual worth, but then they just kept tanking and kept tanking and kept tanking, and it was absolute eyesore, absolute disgrace to watch. And now they are one of the best things to watch right now. I really hope they make it to you know. If they if they lose in the first round, oh, oh, that would be something. That would be absolutely something. And uh, you know, a little bit on the Western Conference. You know, the Warriors of the Warriors. Uh, Denver actually looking good. You know, still looking good. Uh, OKC are now genuine contenders. I mean, if we're talking about Western Conference, uh, you know, finals, I think he'll be OKC against Golden State. I I generally think that. Uh, OKC's looking beast, you know. Russell Westbrook has had 10 straight games of triple doubles. Paul George is MVP on right now, like on MVP mode. MVP MVP G13, you know, (laughs) on that thing. So uh, them three teams are looking lit. Honestly, so, um, uh, the Western Conference is looking stacked, and, uh, you know, and with that said, you know, there are four, there are four teams that can get in the finals of the Western, uh, Eastern Conference, and about three teams in the Western Conference, so technically, the Eastern Conference is better right now, Don't, you know, I'm not, not being biased, because I, I enjoy my, I enjoy watching, uh, NBA games in Eastern Standard Time, because five hours is way better than eight hours behind, but, um. You know, and uh, as a, 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 a something to note, uh, just uh, just right quick, and also LA, uh, absolute turmoil there. Uh, I'm I'm lo- I'm locally enjoying it, just to, just for the fun of it. The drama is quite fun. Um, the fact that LeBron actually just threw every young player under the bus uh, for the Andy Davis trade, um, it, that kind of kind of gave me a good chuckle uh but yeah we'll see we'll see how that goes later later on that's more of a long term story if, if anything uh, uh, of how the lakers actually will progress but um, right now for me is eastern conference it's looking at that and it's also watching uh, and hoping fingers crossed for the philadelphia 76ers downfall because i feel like that's what they deserve that is karma uh, if you're going to keep if you're going to tank i hope you get to the tippy top and then crumble I I really, I really hope that, I, I really pray on that. But let's finish off with the life story, and, um, this is, um, this is kind of left field in terms of my, in terms of the life segment. Uh, I, I saw this story on the, the Guardian recently, and I just found, I, I was just reading it, and, um... This is this is something that is worthy of a blockbuster film. It is absolutely amazing. So it's cl- the the name of it is called Picasso's A Glass Piano and Missing Billions: Scandal of One MDB Reaches Court. So this is by uh, Hannah Ellis Peterson. Uh, the Guardian and uh, let's get into it. Uh, I hope you guys have never heard of this story because uh, the less you have heard of it, the better this will sound to you. This is abs- just hearing it for the first time. is absolutely astounding. So I hope this is the first time you guys have heard it. So let's get into it. It is known that uh, it is known as the largest kleptocracy case in the world great start. Uh, a tangled tale of Hollywood celebrities, Malaysian politicians, luxury yachts, Picasso paintings, power, and mind-boggling amounts of stolen money. If that's not a boss paragraph, I do not know what is. That is a boss first paragraph. Oh, Aren't you hooked right now? I'm hooked. Let's continue. On Tuesday, the latest chapter begins in a corruption scandal that not only saw billions of dollars of Malaysian state money disappear, but also entangled Leonardo DiCaprio, Paris Hilton, and Miranda Kerr. illicitly funded two Hollywood films and prime Manhattan real estate and dragged the reputation of one of the world's biggest investment banks into the mud. In a Kuala Lumpur court, the former Malaysian Prime Minister Najib Razak will stand trial for his alleged role in the 1MDB saga and what prosecutors will say uh, were elaborate attempts to cover it up. Najib, who has consistently denied all charges, is the first ex-Prime Minister of Malaysia to face charges of corruption while in office. Uh, the anticipated airing of dirty political laundry in court over the next few months, in particular how, how, in particular how Najib and his wife allegedly spent the millions of embezzled money, already has the country on tenterhooks. Uh, quote, this trial is hugely important for Malaysia, unquote, said Bridget Welsh, Associate Professor, Professor of Political Science at John Cabot University who is an expert on Malaysian politics. Imagine being an expert on Malaysian politics. What a niche, what a niche thing to be an expert. I love that. Uh, Quote, this is not just an issue of accountability. This is a huge international scandal, which has really shamed Malaysia, unquote. A global scandal. Uh, The ramifications of the trial will be felt not just in Malaysia, but globally. It was US Attorney General Loretta Lynch who described 1MDB as, quote, the largest cryptocracy case in the world and 1MDB investigations ongoing in 12 countries. 12 countries, great. This is is shaping up to be such a great film. Such a blockbuster of a film, I love it. Uh, In the US, the Justice Department charged two former Goldman Sachs bankers uh, with conspiring to launder billions of dollars embezzled from Malaysia's state development fund. Quote, this trial involves not just uh, Malaysia and Najib, this involves the whole global financial system and the people who gained the system to their advantage added Welsh. The 1MDB scandal began in 2009 when a newly sworn in Najib uh, set up and oversaw a government fund titled One Malaysia Development Berhad or 1MDB, whose intended purpose was helping attract foreign investment in Malaysia. Instead, over the next five years, Uh, Billions of dollars were either embezzled out of the country or laundered through subsidiary companies by those who ran it. It is alleged about a quarter of the stolen funds ended up in the Jib's personal bank account, funding lavish credit card spending sprees by him and his wife, uh, uh, Rosmar Mansour. Uh, Even more extravagant was the spending by financier uh, Joe Lowe, uh, a friend of Najib's stepson, Reza Aziz, who was an informal consultant on one m d b see I say one m d b and I keep thinking of i m d b the in, in that movie database It's, it's weird, but anyway, uh, he allegedly siphoned billions from the fund using it to buy vast amounts of prime Manhattan real estate, eight point one million dollars worth of jewelry, and a glass piano for Australian model Miranda Kerr, a Picasso painting, an Oscar statuette for Leonardo DiCaprio, super yachts and to throw ostentatious parties attended by the likes of Paris Hilton, Lindsay Lohan and Jamie Foxx. He even bankrolled Hollywood movie The Wolf of Wall Street. What? Yo, this is exactly the that is exactly the film I was thinking of. Right. When I was thinking, you know, when I read this initially, I was just like, This is literally The Wolf of Wall Street. This is great. This is The Wolf of Wall Street on steroids. And he actually helped fund the film itself. What the hell? (laughs) This is absolutely amazing. Continuing on, quote, A number of corrupt 1MDB officials treated this public trust as a personal bank account, Lynch said in 2016. International investigators now say at least $4.5 billion was eventually stolen from 1MDB. An arrest warrant is out for low. Who went into hiding after Najib lost the election? Uh, lost the election. Uh, oh, see, I've, I've messed up um, where I'm at. Sorry, I've swiped up for some reason. Uh Where was I? An Anarissa, uh, who went went uh, hiding after. Uh, uh, many believe in China. That's where he's hiding, and he has yet to be found by the Malaysian authorities. How it unraveled. It was British journalist Claire Rocastle Brown who first exposed the scandal in early 2015 on her re- website, the Sarawak Report. Uh, Najib later organised an arrest warrant for Roe Castle brown fired the Attorney General who's investigating 1MDB, placed a damning report under the Official Secrets Act, and removed all anti-corruption officers who were part of the investigation. <sighs> oh, that's, that's, um, that's, uh... <laughs> That's very, uh, isn't that kind of a foreshadowing to what's Trump, what, what's happening with Trump, isn't it? Anyway, continue. Uh, a subsequent 1MDB probe carried out under Najib's watch and widely considered to be a farce, then cleared the Prime Minister of all charges. Of course it did. Uh, for Rowcastle brown the prospect of seeing Najib, who was in power for nine years before he was toppled in the election in May last year, on trial after so many years of being persecuted by his administration in her bid to expose 1MDB, was, quote, surreal another quote it is quite something to see that he is now in the dock although i take no pleasure in his downfall she said it is a tribute to the public uh, to the power of public opinion which najib failed to judge even before it had reached the malaysian high court the revived one mdb investigation instigated by the new government as soon as they took power in may last year already had the country gripped Raids on the Jibs property saw the police seize a cachet of luxury goods worth up to $273 million, including oh, wow, 1,400 necklaces, 567 designer handbags, 423 watches, 22, uh, 2,200 rings, 1,600 brooches, and 14 tiaras, the biggest seizure of its kind in Malaysian history. Subsequently, Najib was arrested on four separate occasions, the latest on Friday as he sat having an anniversary dinner with his wife. He faces a total of 42 charges relating to 1MDB, ranging from corruption and money laundering to abuse of power, taking legal bribes and criminal breach of trust. His wife is facing 16 criminal charges, both have pleaded not guilty to all counts, And Speaking after being arrested a second time in September last year, Najib told reporters, quote, I am not a thief, but I am happy because now I have the opportunity to clear my name on this issue once and for all. If found guilty and given consecutive sentences, 65-year-old Najib could be facing years, if not a lifetime, behind bars. Tuesday's trial is the first of three 1MDB related trials that he is due to face and focuses on three charges of money laundering, three three of criminal breach of trust and one of abuse of power relating to a sum of 42 million Malaysian ringgit, uh, which is $10 million, uh, which which was transferred from a 1MDB subsidiary company, SRC International, into the jibs bank account. At a later date, he is due to face more face two more 1MDB trials, first relating to a sum of $681 million, which Najib have maintained was a gift from a Saudi prince. <laughs> what an excuse! Amazing! And another on, a mul- on multiple charges of abuse of power. Separately from 1MDB, Najib is also due to face trial for charges relating to misappropriate funds from his party, UMNO. He has pleaded not guilty to all charges. If this is not the greatest, the greatest, you know... Crime of the 21st century, honestly. This is absolutely outstanding. This is this needs to be a blockbuster film yesterday, B- bro. You cannot write it, you can't write it. Oh, oh, let's let's take a moment, let's let that wash over each other. Let's 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 have that wash over because the fact that the greatest, the greatest part, the greatest part is. How throughout all that, and I guarantee you right i I hope you had the same thought as me as you as you were listening to me reading that right the first few paragraphs, I hope you guys were thinking this is so Wolf for Wall Street, and then the dude actually funded helped fund Wolf for Wall Street <laughs> you cannot write it that is absolute freaking gold. Hollywood, get on this, this is an Oscar winner immediately, someone get Adam McKay right on this right now, get Adam McKay, get Martin Scorsese to direct it, he directed Wolf of Wall Street, it is right in the wheelhouse, you might as well consider it a sequel, consider it an absolutely meta sequel, I absolutely love it, get Leonardo DiCaprio to, be as, to act as himself, as a himself credit, get Miranda Kerr as a himself credit, uh, Herself credit, do all of that. Just make it super meta, like it's entourage. It is that is glorious. That is absolutely glorious. And if hey hey, hey I'll write the script. Screw it, I'll write the script. And you know what I'll do? I will take all the credit. <laughs> and on that note, that has been what's good with Charlie Taylor. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed the show. As my new SIM card falls on the plate. Uh, hope you enjoyed the show. I've, I've I've finally enjoyed this one. That is that is the greatest story of all time. I I need to see that on cinemas in less than two years, uh, and if it does, you you will know where it came from first. <laughs> uh, you know where you heard it first. Uh, if you want to, you know, uh, hit up the hit me up in any sort of way. You know, you got the email, you got the Twitter, you got the IG, you got the Facebook. Uh, it's all in the descriptions below. Wherever you are listening. Uh, if you want to li- read any of the articles including that amazing 1MDB story that will be on the 5 uh, as part of the article for this and this sh- particular show will be embedded as you read uh, so yeah from the 5th Element Podcast Network I have been Charlie Taylor this has been What's Good hope you have a good week <laughs> and I'll see you guys next Thursday take it easy ladies and gentlemen Thanks for staying on, this is What's Good Extra, where I talk about some extra topics that, you know, I couldn't really fit into a whole um, 10 to 50 minute segment, that's obviously the what I go for and I regularly go outside that, that time frame, but um, yeah, this is uh, just a couple of uh, things that I saw during the week and I thought was uh, worth talking about if as it, pertains, as it pertains to either me or, you know, someone I thought... Uh, you guys might find it interesting. So, as I load my phone again, because it actually died, this is actually the second time I'm <laughs> trying to record this. It died halfway through and it's currently bugging. So, I'm, I'm getting a new phone, it's fine. So, um, anyway, uh, let's uh, get into it and tie up. Let's have a looky looky. And, all right, and we're good. So, and so, uh, this is all going to be done in 2 minutes and 51 seconds, which is the exact length of uh, Booker T and EMG's. Uh, song Green Onions so without further ado timer on the clock timer on the clock is that the right way of saying it anyway three two one go so (laughs) uh, it's all about the 40th birthday 40th anniversary of the Warriors cult classic if you haven't seen the Warriors please go watch it. it is an absolute amazing film Uh, and uh, if you haven't read the book uh, by um, Saul Urich, uh, by the same name, totally different from the film. Uh, Paramount, uh, you know, really, really uh, uh, censored the whole idea of it. And uh, you know, but but you know, it's, as a film, it's still great. It's an amazing, uh, just like you know, independent piece uh, directed by Water Hill And you know, it's just uh, and also the video game on PS2. Whew. That is actually one of the best Rockstar games. Um, Of all time, do not at me honestly, because you know we talk about GTA all the time, and you know know, we get that and Max Payne and other stuff like that. I think think Max Payne is Rockstar. Thank you. Um, Don't quote me on that. And um, yeah, you know there are other games that Rockstar have done, but The Warriors is such a great game, such a PS2 classic. Absolutely love it. And uh, so I was watching uh, Geniuses for the record again. And uh, th- this week they were talking about Drake and classics because his uh, mixtape so far gone since his 10 years anniversary. Um, aside from uh, if Drake has any classics, which he doesn't, um, they were talking about what is a classic. And you know, I have my criteria, and everyone else has, has their criteria, hip hop fans. But um, the one thing that really irked me about them was that they, they had a consensus of uh, you know, an album having a maximum of three skips, you know, skipping songs. And I feel like if an album's a classic, it should be non-skippable. Like no skips. Is am I am I in the minority here? I feel like if you're listening to an album and you, you know, you really love it, you should have no skips. You know, you should be you should be listening it listening to it front to back. Am I am I wrong here? I feel I feel like I'm in I hope I'm not in the minority because I just think that's common logic. I mean there are other, there are loads of um there are loads of good albums that I don't skip, you know what I mean? And there are loads of great albums where I do skip a song or two. But a classic I feel like should be, you know, both of best of both worlds. It should be unskippable, no skip tracks, you know, constant great listen from start to finish. And I feel like that should be that should be a baseline, should it not? i I think I'm I don't know if I'm tripping, but um Yeah, I was just watching that show and, uh, yeah, the way they were talking about three skips, it was just like, that is very, very, that is very, very low bar. That is a very low bar for classic albums. The amount of classic albums that have, uh, the amount of great albums that have three skips and you consider them classics. Nope. not going to be able to do it. Anyway, time's up. See you guys next week.